continuing on, he is given more information. Chapter 7, verse 1. In King Darius's fourth year, on the fourth day of Kislev, the ninth month, the word of Yahweh came to Zechariah. Now the people of Bethel had sent Shazer and Regem Melech and their companions to seek Yahweh's favor by asking both the priests of the temple of Yahweh, who rules over all the land, and the prophets, should we weep in the fifth month, fasting as we have done over the years? The word of Yahweh, who rules over all of them, came to me. Speak to all the people and priests of the land as follows. When you fast and lamented in the fifth and seventh months through all these seventy years, did you truly fast for me? Indeed. And now, when you eat and drink, are you not doing so for yourselves? Should you not have obeyed the words that Yahweh cried out through the former prophets when Jerusalem was peacefully inhabited and her surrounding cities, the Negev and Shelephah, and here also populated? So these rulers of Judah come to Zechariah and say, Will you ask God, should we keep fasting? The fifth month was when they were taken into exile. And the seventh month was another month that they were taken into exile. So a tradition started among the Jews that they would fast in the fifth and seventh months every year to remember that they're in exile for their sins. So now that exile is over with, they're saying, okay, is exile truly over with? And if it is truly over with, does that mean that we can stop fasting because the judgment of God is over with and there's nothing to fast for anymore? There's nothing to remember, to commemorate anymore? And you've got to love God's answer. Because God basically comes back and says, were you fasting and celebrating for me or for yourselves? I think you're celebrating for yourselves, so I don't really want to give you an answer because you don't really care. You really made all this about yourself. You've made your holidays about yourself. You've made your mourning about yourself. It's kind of like when my one daughter like, hits my youngest daughter and then my youngest daughter starts crying and gets upset. And then when we ask, like, okay, why did you do that? And then my older daughter starts crying, and she's upset. And we're like, are you sad because you've hurt your sister? Or are you sad because now you're in trouble for something that you wrongfully did? Like, and it's usually I'm sad because now I'm going to get in trouble, and I feel like everybody's turning on me. It's like all we asked you is why did you do this? Like we didn't yell and scream and grind you into the ground. It's like that's kind of what God is saying. Are you mourning because woe is me? Or are you mourning because you violated your relationship with God? And you've wronged Him and hurt Him? That's the real question. So the answer is exile over with. And God's answer is, what do you think? If you're not truly mourning for a broken relationship with God, then I would think exile is still going. Because you're still separated from God relationally. Because you don't really care that you hurt him. And that kicks back into verse six, chapter chapter six, verse fifteen, when Yahweh says, Then those who are far away will come and build the temple and all of Yahweh's, of the Yahweh, so that you may know that Yahweh who rules over all has sent to you. This will all come to pass if only you obey me. Now remember, obedience is always in the context of Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one, and you shall love him. Listen is the word Shema. And Shema means 
to listen and obey. That you don't just listen like, ah, yes, I heard that. And you just go on with life. Listen means I heard you and I'm responding. And then he says, listen and obey. And then he says, love God. Love comes from the Hebrew word ahava, which is an emotional love. It's not just a love of commitment. That's um, hesed. Chesed can be an unemotional love. But you're loving somebody because you've made a commitment to them, because you are going to serve them. But there are not necessarily emotions involved. But ahava is an emotional love. So what God is saying is, if you really obey me, then obedience is done with a heartfelt relational love. And if you really truly love me, then you'll obey me. And it creates a cyclical pattern. A true obedience is a loving relationship with God. That's why you obey. And then therefore, if you truly love God emotionally, in you will then obey. This is what Jesus comes along later in John and says, if you love me, you will obey me. And when you obey me, then I will go to the Father and ask him to reveal more about myself to you. And then you will obey that new revelation. And Jesus creates the same cyclical pattern. If you love me, you obey me. And if you obey me, then I will reveal more. You'll learn about, more about God. The Bible will make more sense to you. And then you'll have a better understanding, which will require more responsibility to God. But you'll do that because you love him. And then you'll love him and you'll obey him, which you'll get more. And both of them, Jesus is just repeating the same cyclical pattern that Deuteronomy 6.4 repeated. And, and this is what Zechariah is saying. This is what Yahweh is saying through Zechariah. If you want to have the revelation of God fulfilled in the end of exile, then obey me because you love me. And he's not just saying obey, because none of us are capable of full-blown obedience. But what he means is loving obedience. And loving obedience is I desire to obey him because I love him. But when I screw up and disobey him, I repent, which is obedience and love. And that's the obedience the Bible always is talking about. Now, we usually just read obey, and we think obedience. And that can mean obey because I'm afraid of getting punished. Obey because cha-ching, I want a reward. And that's, unfortunately, I think, why obedience is mistaught in a lot of churches throughout American history. But obedience is always rooted in the heart of God. And the heart of God is most fully revealed in Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy, it's love remembrance, relationship, memorial, remembrance. Those are way more than just obedience because of fear or obedience for reward. That's relationship. And so what what God is saying through Zechariah is, you want to know when exile is over with? Exile is over with when you desire relationship with me. When your obedience is not because you're afraid of being punished and going into exile. When your obedience is not a reward, for blessings in the land. But when your obedience is because you truly love me and want to know me. And when you do sin and screw up, you don't justify your disobedience like you did pre-exile. You repent. And you seek reparations. When that begins to happen in your heart, then the exile is over with. If he said obedience, period, then exile would never be over. But when he says a loving relationship with God through obedience and repentance, then exile can be over. So then what happens? Fast forward to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ pays for the judgment of the exile 
and the law and everything. And then John begins the ministry of him and Jesus by saying, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. He repeats Isaiah, or Zechariah, sorry. He repeats Zechariah. Love God and come back to him. Stop fasting for yourself and fast for how you've wronged God. And if you do that, the kingdom of God will come. Or are you bringing the kingdom of God, John? No. There's one who's greater than I who is following. And he will baptize you, not just with water, but with fire and water. And then when Jesus dies on the cross, all who accept him will be set free. Exile is not over with until you're in Christ. And so this is why the Jewish nation is still in exile. Not physical exile. That came to an end when they were led by Zerubbabel and Ezra and Nehemiah. But spiritual exile is there because when Christ, the end of all exile, finally arrived on the scene, they turned around and rejected him too. And they continued to fast because woe is us. But God predicts a day that the people who are far away, the Gentiles, Peter's vision of the clean and unclean animals, and Cornelius coming to the door in Acts chapter 9 and 10, would begin to come into this thing. So the Gentiles have always been in exile, are now finally coming out of exile into Christ. But that blanket also has clean and unclean animals on it, which means there's a day that the Jews will come back from exile. And so there's still that day. So the Jews are in time out until they begin to mourn for their relationship with God and not mourn for woe is us. Woe is us. And that's what's being communicated here. And that's important to understand. Why does your heart break? So chapter 7, verse 8. Again, the word of Yahweh came to Zechariah. And Yahweh, who rules over all, said, Exercise true judgment and show brotherhood and compassion to each other. You must not oppress the widow, the orphan, the foreigner, or the poor, nor should anyone secretly plot evil against his fellow human being. You know how to prove that your heart truly is about God? Care for the, care for the oppressed and the downtrodden, like I've been telling you forever. And then Jesus is going to come along and say the exact same thing. You will know me, they will, they will know that you belong to me by the way you treat each other. But they refused to pay attention, turning away stubbornly and stopping their ears so that they could not hear. Indeed, they made their heart as hard as a diamond so that they could not obey the Torah or the other words of Yahweh who rules over all and sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Therefore, Yahweh who rules over all had poured out a great wrath. And just like the Jews of Jesus' time, they said, I don't like that answer. Just like the rich man said, what should I do to enter the kingdom of God? And God says, sell everything. And he's like, well, I can't part with my wealth. Now, that wasn't the answer for everybody. That was just the answer for him. Another man's like, well, what should I do to the kingdom of God? Love your neighbor. Well, who's my neighbor? Seeking to justify himself. I only want certain people to be my neighbors. And Jesus told him parable that everybody you come across, whether you like them or not, is your neighbor. He's like, well, that's too difficult. And he walked away. And they heard the same thing. Wait a minute. We just came out of exile where we had nothing. And now we have all this wealth and we're back in the land. And you want me to give this all up for a bunch of oppressed poor people? Heck no. I'm not willing to do that. You're a moron, Zechariah. Fake news. And they walk away. They don't like him. Because he doesn't say what they like. Verse 13. 
thing came about that just as I cried out. But they would not obey, and they will cry out, and I will not listen. And Yahweh, Yahweh, who rules over all, had said, Rather, I will sweep them away in the storm into the nations that they are not familiar with. Thus the land had become desolate because of them, with no one crossing through the returning, for they had made the fruitful land a waste. So God says, because of that, I won't listen to them anymore. When they cry out for rescue, I won't listen. Because they're just crying out because they think their life is miserable, not because they actually feel bad that they've wronged me in any kind of way. So go away. Now, go back to Jesus. Lord, Lord, when do we see you naked and not clothe you, hungry and not feed you, prison and not visit you? When you did not do it for the least of these, you did not do it for me. Depart from me, you of evil iniquities, to where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. I will not listen to you anymore. Now, for me, I think that's one of the scariest passages in the entire Bible. Because these people believed in God. They believed Jesus was their master. They believed that they knew him and that they were being obedient. And then Jesus turns around and says, you're not obeying me and we don't really know each other. Because all I am is an autobiography to you. I'm not a real life relationship to you. You cannot read the biography and say we're friends. Amen. You have to be in a relationship with him. And that's one of the scariest things. And we know that. We know that today. That there are lots of people in this church and even this nation who believe that they're good with God because they know things about him and they just believe that Jesus is God. And James says even the demons believe this. It's obedience in the context of Deuteronomy. And when you don't do that, and then God comes and says, I love you, and I want you to come out of exile back to me. So here I am, and this is who I am, and this is how we have a relationship. And you're like, no, 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 I don't want to hear that because that's too difficult, and I just want to do what I want to do. Then God's like, I can't hear you. I'm not going to listen anymore. It's kind of like when I put my daughter in timeout, and the minute she goes timeout, she's like, can I get down now? Can I get down now? Can I come out of timeout? I'm like, no, because you're completely missing the whole point of timeout. Until you're quiet and you think about what has happened, and then I come up and we have a conversation, and it's about our relationship with each other that has been wounded, and you acknowledge that, then timeouts are away. But in, as long as you're screaming and asking to get out, it's all about you. I, I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to listen. Chapter 8, verse 1. Then the word of Yahweh, who rules over all, came to me as follows. Yahweh, who rules over all, says, I am very much concerned for Zion. Indeed, I am so concerned for her that my rage will fall on those who hurt her. And Yahweh says, I have returned to Zion and will live within Jerusalem. And now Jerusalem will be called Truthful City, Mountain of Yahweh, who rules over all, Holy Mountain. Moreover, Yahweh, who rules over all, says, all men and women will come once more live in the plaza of Jerusalem, each one leaning on a cane, and the city will be full of boys and girls playing. And says Yahweh, who rules over all, though such a thing may seem to be difficult in the opinion of a small community of those days, will it also appear difficult to me? Asks Yahweh, who rules over all. So there will come a day when I will bring my mountain, I will restore my mountain with you. That's my presence. Even the people who walk on canes will come to my mountain, the lame, the people you think are not worthy. This seems difficult to many people. 
But what is difficult to you is not difficult to me. And this goes back to the idea, not by the power of strength and might of men, but by the Spirit of God. Verse 7, Yahweh who rules over all asserts, I am about to save my people from the lands of the east and the west, and I will bring them to settle within Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be their God, and truth and righteousness. And Yahweh who rules over all says, Gather strength, you who are listening to these words today, from the mouths of the prophets who were there at the founding of the house of Yahweh who rules over all, so that the temple might be built. Before that time, there was no compensation for a man or an animal, nor there was there any relief from the adversary for those who came and went, because I had pitted everybody, each one against everyone else. So it says, before the exile, the temple was a place of cheating and scandal. When people came from reparations to have their rights wrong, there was no justice there. When people came to be relieved from their oppression of their leaders, there was no relief there. The priests just joined in the oppression. But not so. I have torn that temple down. I have torn that land down. I have taken those people into exile. But I'm going to rebuild a new temple. But I will be different now to this remnant of my people from the way that I was in those days, says Yahweh, who rules over all. Before the exile, I just allowed it to keep happening because you deserved it, because there was no repentance. But now that repentance has been meant. For there will be a peaceful time of sowing. The vine will produce its fruit and the ground its yield. And the skies will rain down dew. And then I will allow the remnant of my people to possess these things. And it will come about that just as you, Judah and Israel, were a curse to the nations. So I will save you and you will be a blessing. Do not be afraid. Instead, be strong. You were supposed to be a blessing and be the light of the world. And people were to come to you, seek righteousness and redemption, and then they would find it. Instead, you became a curse by acting just like they did, not leading them in the light. And therefore, they continued to go deeper into their sins. And then you all were taken into exile because the salt had lost its saltiness and the light had lost its light. But now you will be a blessing. I will save you and you will be a blessing to the world. For Yahweh, who rules over all, says, As I planted you, planned to hurt you. You, when your fathers made me angry, says Yahweh, who rules over all, and I was not sorry. So to the contrary, I have planned in these days to do good to Jerusalem and Judah. Do not fear. These are the things you must do. Speak the truth, each of you, to one another. Practice true and righteous judgment in your courts. Do not plan evil in your hearts against one another. And do not favor false oaths. These are all the things that I hate, says Yahweh. You know what I expect of you? Speak truth. Ephesians 4. Speak the truth in love. Practice true and righteous judgments in your courts. No social injustice. <clears throat> Do not plan evil in your hearts. No coveting. No keeping it in your heart, but looking good on the outside, you whitewashed tombs. Do not favor false oaths. Do not believe in the lies. And follow men and women who feed you lies only because it will profit you. These are the things that I hate. The word of Yahweh who rules over all came to me as follows. Yahweh who rules over all says that the fast of the fourth 
The fifth and seventh and tenth months will become joyful and happy, pleasant feasts for all the house of Judah. So love, truth, and peace. All your fasting will be done away with, and you'll be feasting. Jesus, Jesus, why don't your disciples fast like every other rabbi's students? You're a bad rabbi. And Jesus says, why should they fast when their Messiah is here? This is a time of celebration. When I depart from you, there's plenty of time of fasting that's coming that the world will want you to have. But now, it's a time of joy. Yahweh who rules over all says, it will be someday come into pass that people, residents of many cities, will come. The inhabitants of, of one will go to another, say, let's go up at once to ask favor of Yahweh, to seek Yahweh who rules over all. Indeed, I will go with you. And many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek Yahweh who rules over all and to ask his favor. And Yahweh who rules over all says, In those days ten people from all languages and nations will grasp a hold of indeed, grab the robe of one Jew and say, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. One day the Jews will look to all the nations and say, Let's go to the temple of God together. And all the Gentiles will grab a hold of their robe and say, Lead me, teacher, because we've seen the righteousness in you, and we want to be a part of that kind of a God. That's amazing. 